0: Constance Hall, one of the most talked-about bloggers in the country. Look out! Opinionated, raw, thought-provoking, and never shy to have an opinion. Annalise is her best friend, the yin to her yang, the Gale to her Oprah. She's the chic one. Just ask her. A show for queens by queens. No topic is too taboo. A shame-free, judge-free space. Oversharing, commiserating, and celebrating. This is the Queen Sesh with Constance Hall and Annalise. Come on,
1: girls! Good evening, Constance. Good evening, Annalise. We are the Queen Sesh, Constance Hall, (laughs) Annalise Dent, a couple of best mates... Couple of besties. Just chic it out, living our best <laughs> chic lives. <laughs> now, Constance also, you might not know this, she really loves Snickers. Oh, my
2: God, stop <laughs> it. I've been on a health kick and I'm like, I've become really up myself and I'm telling everybody that I'm, you know, really healthy. And on my way in, I saw a vending machine. I just couldn't help it. I bought a Snickers. And I didn't think that Denzi, my husband, would see. And he just come in to drop me off a boost juice because he's the most perfect husband. Mm. And he has just given me this really weird look when he looked down and saw my Snickers but I was in the middle of talking to Annalise so he just sort of snuck out without saying anything and now all I can see is his face. (laughs) His judgy face looking
1: at the Snickers and sneaking out. And I just want to call him and say stop judging me. Do you know what I think you've got an excuse you're eating for two. You are about to be a mother of seven. Yeah. I might add. Yeah. So that's an yeah. excuse to eat a Snickers. To get fat. <laughs> People won't question it. Um, so next, Con, you're going to tell a little story about one of your kids. You've got so many. I'm surprised you don't have tracking devices for them. <laughs> and I don't know how you keep track, but you've got a
0: beautiful story. I can't wait to hear about it next. It's The Queen Sesh. The Queen Sesh with Constance Hall and Annalise.
2: Annalise, you know my, all of my children very, very well, but the one who's stolen your heart recently oh. is my
0: Arlo. Oh, yes.
2: And I I feel like I've got a story about Arla everywhere because we're spending so much one-on-one time together at the moment. It's heaven. For the last six months, Arla's relentless. He does not give up on whinging for something. Now, for any of you who don't follow me on Facebook (laughs) at this minute, (laughs) for any of you that are listening, (laughs) okay, no, seriously, he's this little ginger-haired, freckle-faced, heavenly thing. And he's been hassling me for like six months to do something that I've been trying to ignore his requests. What is it? And I've been ignoring it for six whole months until the last week. He's upped the ante and he's telling me that he thinks it's going to make him get more friends at school. <gasps> oh, and yeah, it's going to make him really cool. So, as of, after Friday morning at eleven thirty a.m., I think I might have the only child in WA to rock. Only redhead oh, to no. rock cornrows. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who thinks it might help him make more friends. <laughs> I know. I know. I don't, is he going to start rapping? Am I harbouring, am I raising the next Dean off married at first sight? I don't know. I don't know where to go with this. All I know is that I couldn't say no anymore and he's so excited. He's like, how many more days till Friday? How many more sleeps till my cornrows? I just don't get it. He's seven. What's going on? How did this happen? <laughs> I knew you'd. I knew you'd be upset, but I didn't I think you'd run in this way.
1: I can't wait for photos.
2: <laughs>
1: Should we go live while the yeah. The Queen says Facebook
0: Live <laughs> <laughs> this Friday. <laughs> Constance Hall and her bestie, Annalise. This is The Queen Sesh. It's The Queen Sesh with
1: Constance Hall and Annalise. And Con, we're very excited because this Thursday is International Women's Day. And we have with us to celebrate the TV host, comedian, journalist, author. Welcome back to The Queen Sesh, Gretel Colleen. Oh, it's nice to be talking to you girls. So it's been a year that we were chatting to you for International Women's Day. So much has happened in the last year,
3: hasn't it, Jess? My goodness.
1: Yes. What are your thoughts on the progress that we've made in
3: the last year and what it means? You know, I think it's I think it's profound. I, I think that all of the stepping stones that were placed by millions of women for hundreds, if not thousands, of years beforehand are all really important. But suddenly, I don't know whether it was Trump coming in and outraging so many women, and then the momentum just increased and increased. And I think it's wonderful because the unity of women realising that they're not the only one feeling this way is incredibly empowering. So... I think this is one of those watershed moments where things really shift and it'll adjust a little bit and then hopefully we'll have another power surge.
2: So how long roughly until we take over?
3: <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a good question. You know, there there are always some women that um, maybe kind of like it the way it is because you would imagine that all women would be on the same side. Mm. Um but sometimes they're not, and we did we did fight for all women to have their own voice, not just one voice, but their yeah. own. Um, so, will we ever take over? I think sometimes we are in powerful positions, and we. We need to realise what our power is. We're actually, to be perfectly honest, I think the whole bloody paradigm needs to be smashed, all of the value systems throughout Western society and we start again. So will we take over or will we simply start our own structure? Because otherwise we're just kind of renovating a really shitty building. Yeah,
2: yeah, I agree. Do we really want to take over a system that's so flawed? Yeah, that's what I
3: reckon. And, you know, I'm more and more I'm just so aware... Of the level of anxiety particularly with women because so much of the burden falls upon their shoulders in terms of uh, emotional and physical responsibility within home and raising children I'm so aware of what little bloody bits of cannon fodder we are in this machine that serves the rich and the powerful and unquestioningly we listen to the radio that tells us what we're meant to have every day what we're meant to aspire to this is you got one house you should now have two you should have three you should have four this is what and when you're 17 you should be thinking about your superannuation and all not a mention of joy and love and happiness and we all fall for it The propaganda Mm. comes in. So that's the paradigm I'd actually like to smash. And I'd like it to be about being good to the planet, leaving it nice and neat like public toilets, you know. (laughs) Don't trash them. Come in, use it the way you will, but leave it better, in better condition. And then we start looking after each other. And that is not in the current paradigm.
2: Mm. It's funny that you should say that about emotional responsibility because I often feel as if um, the person in the household, like just bringing it down to a home level... Yeah. The person in the household with like the stronger emotional connection to like how everything needs to be run and to what the kids' needs are ends up being the more vulnerable one because if yeah. one party is saying, I'm just going to go to work nine to five, and that's all I give a shit about. Yeah. And when I come yeah. home, I you know, I'm sorry, but the kid, whether or not the kid gets to go to sports or gets horse riding lessons is not my priority. Whereas the person who's re- emotionally responsible, and they actually care more about like whether or not this little child who's been begging for horse riding lessons for the last six months is going to get them. And so you end up being the one who's constantly taking the back foot and constantly going, well, I'll do that then. I won't work because I need to do that. I won't go out this weekend. You go out because I want to make yep. sure the kids are happy, you know? Like, and it's, and oh, sometimes absolutely. it's like we were sort of cursed with this emotional conscience.
3: I think it's kind of like that notion of um, the teenager with the dirty towels and all the crap on the bedroom floor and the theory that they actually don't see it. They they simply don't see it. They're not designed at that moment to be looking and and caring about that sort of thing. But mum does. So mum ends up cleaning up because she's got a bigger picture, a bigger sensitivity. And of course, the other thing, with your children, and I I can't speak for men on this level, but with your own children, of course, there's a biological connection, let alone as females, we tend to be more empathetic. So their happiness or their unhappiness is ours. So if our kids are miserable or distraught, we don't sleep, we're yep. exhausted with it, and you know, And also you cop it. I mean, I'm so fascinated as I get older and my children are older, just what is this thing called mother and what is the woman? The stronger you are, the more people put shit on you because they think you can deal with it. Whereas if I was a tiny little quiet person, I think I'd get, Helps yeah. around the place,
2: but people oh my God, think gone. I'm a warrior. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> do, do you find that too? Oh, completely. I always do. The amount of shit I cop in my household and I just it just water off duck's back. I never thought I would be as tough as I am, but, you know, like that's just what kids do to you. They just make you, they, they wear you down and they turn you into something that you never thought you were.
3: Oh, absolutely. And at the... I, I was trying to explain to my children who are grown up, but I was trying to explain to them what the love is that you have for your children I, and and I was saying, You are the loves of my life, you know you are pure, and it was not very appreciated of, I, I was like, Oh, yeah whatever and then. <laughs> and then you, how pathetic we are you know, I just so I didn't have children in my life just so because oh I've got a couple of extra hours I might just pick up poo out of a toilet or whatever you know <laughs> it, was, it was about love and nurturing and and the whole shebang and so in terms of what we'll end up doing to the world it's interesting because there are some arguments that our empathy and our nurturing can actually be the thing that makes us more vulnerable and weaker and, I mean, that's not something that I adhere to. But in terms of us taking over the world, and we've only just recently this week, you know, seen comments from Michaela Cash commenting on women within politics, which has been criticised. Now, there's a woman who's bad mouthing other women. So, um, I, you know, what I really think we need at the moment is is some magnificent leaders, mm. just some magnificent yeah. leaders, because people are so busy. I hate that word, but they're so busy. They're so exhausted not even bloody thinking for themselves, but at least if they're going to play follow the leader... Let the leader be someone worth following. Good. Yes. Yeah. Do you
1: know what Australia needs? We need a Jacinta.
3: Yeah, we need a Jacinta. Oh, yes. <laughs> we really
1: need a Jacinta. We want Jacinta. Own.
2: Yes. We <laughs> want Jacinta. <That's laughs> steal her. Oh, even if that, she could clone that. herself. I
1: know.
2: Oh, and then when she was interviewed recently. Oh, god. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. I was I was messaging all my Kiwi friends. I am so sorry.
3: Please don't judge yes. us on this. <laughs> Wasn't that beyond belief? Talk about you know, out of tune with the whole thing. But what a beautiful girl she is. And she isn't just, she? Yeah, and we can say girl. Um, but, yep. you know, isn't she fantastic? That's what we need. And, you know, we can't lose faith because it really does just take one person, one amazing person for people to follow because a lot of good people are looking for goodness. We just need yeah. to find those ones and give them a voice and um, and follow them.
2: I agree. If we could just find someone that we could just put our trust in and know they're going to make the right decisions on our behalf, then we can get a, get, away, get away with being less like forceful and less. we could relax a little bit, I think.
3: I think so. And if we just remember, we're visiting the planet. Our job is to come here, bring joy, bring kindness, move on. That's yes, it. Yes, beautiful.
1: Now, Gretel, lots happening on International Women's Day that you're involved in. Can you tell us a little bit about it?
3: Yeah, well, actually, one of the exciting things that is the day before International Women's Day is I'm emceeing a a legal organisation here in New South Wales, which is to help uh, refugees, uh, which I'm very proud to be involved in helping with the fundraising for that. And then International Women's Day itself, I'm co-hosting a breakfast show on 702 with Wendy Harmer, which is going to be a hoot. And then we've got a women, a debate that I'm, I'm seeing, because you know what International Women's Day is like. It's it's like the Mardi Gras, Mum. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and so that'll be great. And then I'm giving a talk that night, which I'm really looking forward to with Margaret Pomerantz. And, and that's really just me gas about myself. But I'm doing live shows around the country too. so I'd love people to come to those because I'm a big fan of people just being bold and pushing their boundaries and initially I don't just do comedy, I actually sing. So, <laughs> oh,
1: I would
2: like to hear that, Gretel. That yeah, is, yes. I would too. Where can we go? Where's the link to get tickets? But at
3: my website. It's uh, au, and all the info's there. And you girls, what are you doing for International Women's Day?
2: I don't know yet. I'm, I am feel like a <laughs> shit, I'm a shit feminist and, and I'm a shit mum and a shit wife and a shit friend. Oh, you
3: haven't one of those days, love.
2: Yeah, well, I just feel like I've, you know, I should have planned something awesome, but no one's invited me to anything. I live in the country, so yeah, I'm just going to probably feel sorry for myself and eat too much. Oh.
3: But you know, you know what? You definitely give the impression that you have a completely full calendar. Yeah, yeah I and do. So, when you, you know, yeah. you don't.
1: I do, but it's just a of interesting stuff like you. I'm not giving talks around Australia
2: and singing to people. I'm just sitting You can at home. come
3: along, though.
2: You can come I'd along. Next time in
3: Perth, I'm getting you up on stage, Okay, please.
2: <laughs> please, I'd love to see that. I would love to come.
3: Yeah, and I wish you a very happy International Women's Day. I'm just so glad it's really part of the actual vernacular now. It's not some... Being a feminist is not a weird thing. And may I say, Constance, you, you do live each day as a woman who's striving for more and more. And that's really, with an independent voice, that's, that's what it's all about. Thank
2: you so much, Gretel. That means a lot to me coming from you.
3: Thank you so well, I'm much, i both of you very much.
1: So <laughs> I hope you have a great day. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Gretel. Thank you, Gretel Colleen, for helping us celebrate International Women's Day.
0: The Queen Sesh with Constance Hall and Annalise.
2: Now, earlier last week, or was it this week? I can't remember. Everything's blending into one at the moment. Me and denim have one of those days, my husband, one of those days where like, we argued all day about, um, whether or not he should have to take my kids and whether or not he's allowed to just go surfing whenever he wants and bring mm. his kids. And he's all like, that's quality time that me and my kids spend together. And I'm like, that's awesome, but I don't get any quality time with me and my kids because I'm busy working and making friggin' food and cleaning up the house that you don't do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like when these are the things that happen with blended families, these are the fights that you have. Anyway, so then that day he was like, I'm going surfing. And I said, just ask my kids. They probably won't want to come anyway, but just ask them. So we asked them. He begged them to his credit. He was like, come on, it'll be fun. And they couldn't be bothered. They'd had a big day at school, so they were like, nah. So then Denham claims that Mm. while on his way home from surfing, he saw an injured baby... Snake. Now, I think, because he's got a big heart and he's beautiful, I think he just saw a baby snake and wanted to bring it home to my kids because they didn't get to go surfing and have a great time. But he didn't. He was grateful. So he wanted to, you know, do something for the whole family. Yeah, <laughs> so he that's grabbed great. That's great. I would, yep. <laughs> and he messaged me and he said, I've got a baby snake. And I was like, no, no, it's just not happening. And he was like, I'm bringing it home. And so I was just in my room, like probably watching Married at First Side or, you yeah. know, looking at Facebook. And the kids are like, oh, my God. And little Rumi's like, do goey, do goey. That's how he says, too scary. It's really cute. And they, and I go downstairs and he's literally holding this no. snake. Yeah, that apparently doesn't bite, isn't venomous, but what? they constrict, no, they constrictors constrictors, <gasps> pythons. It's a carpet python. It was a carpet python. But it was only little, so it couldn't, like constrict anyone too badly but as he helped pulled it out of this bag and its tongue starts sticking out and it's looking at my children my children are already close to it i just started screaming and running through the house and i was like get it out now i'm done that's not okay no it's not okay no but he's really country he was raised in the country he's really bushy and farmery and agricultury and he just, just knows stuff and doesn't get scared of stuff and yeah, I'm a city girl, and I was just like, no. So no, they but took it to the bush somewhere, and they then they like let it go.
1: Oh, fuel! Because when I saw the Insta video, and it was literally he was holding it like those, you know, where you go and get your photo taken with a snake. And yeah, they oh, usually give it Valium or something so that they don't <laughs> react. <laughs> it was it's injection? No, this thing looked really active. This is my life, Analise. Oh, I God. feel like
2: the animal kingdom has taken over.
1: Yes, because we had the rats the other The dogs in my
2: bed. The rats. There's oh. a beehive in my roof. I got stung by a marsh fly yesterday. <laughs> oh my god! Too many animals. Living. Too many oh kids. No. Too much
0: wilderness. Oh,
2: that's Back off. Of
0: <laughs> Constance Hall and her bestie Annalise. Yeah. This is the Queen Sesh. Con, I'm interested to hear your opinion on this one because mm-hmm. this
1: week some Queensland midwives have called time on medics using condescending and frightening language using childbirth. Now, tell me if you think this is condescending or frightening. These are the some of the things that they don't want you to say anymore. Big baby, when you're describing the size. You know, when you're in labour, saying "Good girl, good girl." Saying Uh. things like (laughs) you must have a C-section, using terms like failure to progress, high risk, painful contractions.
2: Yeah, at the end of the day, I just think we sometimes just need to not treat women like they're that sensitive. Mm. And, you know, in my opinion, I'm a fully grown woman here. I'm 10 times stronger than you because I'm doing this and you haven't done it before. You know, like that's the way I look at my partner while I'm giving birth, by the way. Mm. And I don't need you to pussyfoot around me. Tell me what's going on. What I really hate when giving birth is when medics are looking at each other and they're not can, not telling you. And that's happened to me before. I felt like they're all looking at each other like they, were, at least they heard a heart rate drop or, you know, I wasn't dilating, probably whatever it is, and they were just not saying anything. Just tell me. I'm a big girl. I mm. want to know what's going on so that I can prepare myself. And, yeah, I'm not really that fussed with you must have a, a caesarean or, you know, you've got a big baby. You know, these mm. things don't the bother
1: o- me so much. The only thing is I remember with my second I was told he's big, he, he's a big baby. And it actually forced me into a panic that I was going to tear. It actually did give me self-anxiety about him coming out. That would be my only thought with the big baby. But how do you get around it? Well,
2: the, the thing is that when you, I had an ultrasound the other day and I know my dates and I saw the ultrasound machine like calculates the dates to be a lot higher so I know that it's a big baby. Like you just have to know. If you're having a big baby, you having a big baby. You need to know these things. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but you do. You need to know because the risks involved... You can turn a blind eye to it if you want, but I actually am really health conscious with everything and I want to know everything about everything. And so, yeah, it might put you in a panic, but Mm. look, even a small baby is not going to be fun to push out.
1: No, no. It's never never fun, really.
2: Nothing's going to be fun to push out. I don't even like pooing anymore.
0: (laughs) I don't. It's (laughs) the Queen Sesh. The Queen Sesh with Constance Hall and Annalise.
1: You're listening to The Queen Sesh with Constance Hall and Annalise, and last week, Con, I told you that producer Ellie and I will be swimming naked together in the Sydney Harbour. Completely naked. Yes. I've started training. I have realised that, and remembered really, that I actually, I can't do freestyle, Yeah, I can't either. No. I'm breaststroke all the way. Same. So that's fine in the aquatic pool, which is calm that I've been practising in. Mm -hmm. But thinking about doing that in open water, like my... Actual swim time was 13 minutes. I'm very worried that I'm going to be the slowest one there. But also anyone I've been telling oh no, about like it. like when we were little and you always came last. I know. And I, you're not going to be there. And producer Ellie has promised that she'll try and come last with me. <laughs> but I've, I've come up with a plan. I want to find out from the event organisers how strict they are with the nude policy. So we've got Nigel Marsh. He's the founder of the Skinny Sydney. Welcome to the the Queen Session, Nigel. Hi, Nigel. Everybody that I speak to about this says, oh, that's great. You're crazy. What about the bull sharks? (laughs)
4: Well, listen, they're right. What about (gasps) them? There are sharks in the harbour. Okay. It's no more or less dangerous than swimming anywhere else. But, but I mean, we've got oodles of water safety, so, great.
0: How
1: strict is the nude policy? Because what I think would make me feel more confident to get away from said bull shark would be, for example, if I wore flippers.
4: My my wife has flippers. Great. No problems. Knock yourself out. Great. So so as
1: long as your bum and boobs
2: are on display, you're Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. What you can't do is use, a, ooh gosh, I can't swim, I'm scared, as an excuse to yes. not actually be nude. So if you wanted to wear a, I don't know, you take a bloody surfboard if you want, but you've got to oh, get, you've got okay. to get your, your kit off.
2: Hey, Nudge, can I ask you, do you think that it's growing, your event is growing and getting bigger every year because of the charitable aspect or because like, deep down everyone just wants to get naked?
4: No, I, I don't think it's either. I mean, it's it's wonderful that we're raising money for Charlie Teo and brain cancer, but if you just take a second to look around, which I'm sure you both have, that the world is drowning in idiotic body image sort of a flood of this is what you must look like, peace and pout bikini pictures and women yep. feeling awful about themselves. And if you do the Sydney skinny, it's just a wonderful two fingers up to the rest of the world, which is I'm happy with myself. I'm not going you know, to feel, feel bad because I don't look like some idiotic model on the front cover of a magazine. And, and what, there are many mates of mine who have struggled for years with body image problems and they, they do the swim. They think everyone's going to be looking and the world's going to stop spinning. <laughs> and guess what? No one gives a shit. They come out of the water completely empowered... It's just, it's fabulous. So I think I'm think jealous.
1: I wish I was there.
4: There's still a few tickets left. 11th of March, just hop on the website. Thank
1: you so much, Nige, for chatting with us and for giving me the green light to wearing the flippers. I feel a little bit more confident now about just yeah. my swim time and the sharks and I'm You're not... You're going to love it. You're I am, gonna love it. but definitely yeah. um, the waddle down to the beach con. I think we <laughs> need to get someone to secretly film it just for you.
2: Definitely.
4: I need to see this.
0: Thanks, Nige.
1: Thanks, see Nige. You
4: next
0: week. Constance is and her bestie Annalise. This is the Queen Sesh. Con, a study
1: came out this week, and it revealed the career that you would be in statistically to most likely be divorced by age thirty. If I was to ask you what you thought it was going to be, what would you say?
2: Well, I'm a WA gal, and so I would have said FIFO, fly in, fly out, mm. working away. I've seen it demolish families. Yes. You know, because the wife's under so much pressure while the husband's away working really, really long, long, long hours, and then he comes back and he needs a break. The wife needs a break, so she's chucking the baby on him and going, I've got to go shopping. And he's going, no, I've got to get pissed. <laughs> mm. And, you know, it's really hard. And then when they stop doing it, they realise they actually liked the break and they're not used to living together anymore. Like, I've seen it so so that, yes. that would have
1: been my guess. Well, it's kind of related, but it is military. So anyone in armed services who are... Being deployed, so I guess it is. It comes down to I think definitely the the safety and the danger and the stress aspect of having someone you know fighting away, and yeah, and
2: also for them, like they would be coming back with all sorts of things going on in their heads. Yes,
1: but I think it's a really important thing because around that that FIFO lifestyle, whether it's military or you know whatever you're doing that's flying in and flying out, I even find like on a on a macro micro scale that when my husband's away for two weeks, it's kind of it's more a long time Yeah, it's more tiring at first, but then you get in your rhythm and you and your kids get into what you're doing and then they come back and it's almost like this, oh, you again. And you've kind of got to get used <laughs> to each other and yeah, more you, you mess, more washing, should, yep. more cooking. This and also more... like they should
2: come back with no rights because you've been doing everything on your own. So yes. when they come back and go, oh,
1: this needs to be done, with this,
2: you think, oh, piss off, where have you been? <laughs> mm.
1: So, it's, yeah, it's really interesting and, it, and it's a tough one. But what I want to do next is actually chat to some queens. Some army wives. Yeah. Yeah, some military queens who've been through this. You know, do they agree? Do they disagree? Jess from Brisbane. Can you tell us about your experience with military wife life?
3: Um, It's been pretty good so far, I'd have to say. I think it really depends on the squadron or army unit that your partner is attached to. Um, They all have different timeframes for when their guys are going to be away and when they're going to be home. We've been really lucky that my husband hasn't been deployed. So um, he's been home for a lot of it. Um, and when he's been away, he's been away maybe two or three weeks at a time and then he's been home again.
2: So do you think that's probably what, make, what makes it easy for you is that your husband's not really away so he doesn't really fall into that high-risk category of of screwing up yeah. the marriage by 30?
3: <laughs> yeah. Mar- um, no, I shouldn't
2: say him screwing up, I said the marriage screwing <laughs> up, yeah.
3: Yeah, and I think, um, you know, we both knew about um, his career choice when we started dating, so um, we were prepared for that and knew what we were getting into. And that um, really
2: helps, doesn't it? If it's a decision you've made when you've already met, met each other, then you can start going, well, what did you go and do that for? But if it was yeah. the way it was when you, yeah. There's no, no
3: saying that he, we will go to war tomorrow and then he will be deployed tomorrow as well. Um, it's just something that part of his career choice. And we've got Prue
1: from New South Wales. Prue, what was your experience um, and what's your experience with military wife life?
3: Well, I got married when I was 23 to my boyfriend who was in the Navy and they made it pretty much impossible for us to live together, rejected us as de facto, so we got married. His mum suggested it and we went ahead with it. He was away quite a bit. Um, We wouldn't have got married if it wasn't for the military and we were together for another year and a half and got divorced.
1: So maybe that's what this study is picking up on. It's the the lack of de facto status, do you think, Con? Oh, that could be. So people are marrying mm. without
2: really wanting to get married because it's making yeah, that was army life easier.
3: Definitely my experience. I got a newsletter of suggestions of what to do when your partner was away, for so people who had young kids, not that I did, and one of the suggestions was, to have a picture of them up at the dinner table so that the kids feel like they have dinner with their with their dad. Oh,
2: and wow. so was that like a little bit of a wake-up call? Like, That's not the future I want? I don't want to be having yeah, dinner definitely. with my children and a photo?
1: Yeah. All our military queens, I mean, it's it's tough, but, you know, someone's got to do that job and we're very, very grateful to the to the service people that do it.
2: That was a real eye-opener. Thank you so much, Prue, and Jess for letting us know your experiences. It's good that we've got one positive and one negative so that we don't have a whole bunch of women, you know, shying away from going out with army men because I've seen some pretty sexy army men in my time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The Queen Sesh with Constance Hall and Annalise. Con, this is some exciting potential news.
1: Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Yes. So currently you're pregnant with your seventh child, but it's not your seventh pregnancy, but you've had twins. Mm -hmm. So this I think you will be particularly excited about because Aussie plastic surgeons are calling for tummy tucks to be subsidised for new mums.
2: Oh, my God. I know. That is. I actually thought when I got pregnant with the twins and you saw how far I stretched Mm. that I'm quite lucky. I have to admit, I am very lucky. I've got, like, good skin. Mm. My skin, even though like my weight never really get, went back to where it should be, um, my skin always, like, even the doctor said to me that she goes, oh, you don't look like someone that's had all those kids when she looked at my tummy. <laughs> so it's really stretchy and then it can go back. But, you know, I was like, three metres wide, three metres long my tummy was and mm. I thought to myself that surely after having twins you get like,
1: you know, like a Medicare rebate for having a tummy tuck but apparently not. Mm. Well, this is around back pain. And chronic pain. So a lot of people get Which chronic is what back I get. pain. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's like a collapsed pelvic issue and the tummy tuck somehow. So you need
2: to have, like, medical proof of it?
1: Yes. Because some of my back pain may be made up. <laughs> I don't think you should say that now. Look, okay. it hasn't been passed, but I think this is a great thing. It, oh, my God, me too. You know, I'd love to rock a bikini again.
2: Well, I just want a tummy tuck because I've had so many kids. Don't you, like, have a certain amount and the government goes... There you are, granted, with whatever type of plastic surgery you want. Yeah, you like They've those
1: contributed to the Australian race. So the dogs that you sort of see running around in Bali that have just had too many pups and their <laughs> boobs are dragging around behind them. <laughs>
2: Well, after two kids, I got my boobs reconstructed. Yes. I got them lifted and um, reduced. And I, I, it's the best thing that I've ever done. So I have a feeling that my tummy tuck would be would be the same. Mm. I also think I'll get a lot of backlash if I do get one because, you know, I do a lot of body positive. But I've, all, I've never really said don't get tummy
1: tucks. Jeez. No, no. <laughs> it's going to become very relatable hopefully soon.
2: Well, if it's affordable, it'll be relatable. At the end of the day, my breast reduction was, ta- was um, Medicare rebated. Mm. So I was very lucky. I had to send a picture of how my tits were, mm. and if they reached a certain level of
1: sness. I think it was seven centimeters of drag. There
2: was a seven cent. No, mm. there was a seven centimeter difference of where my nipples should be compared to where they were. Mm, the drag. Yeah. The rocking
1: sock effect.
2: The rocking. Yeah, we could call it that, or we could just say that they were, you know, really big and giving me a sore back. So. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the tummy tuck's gonna be friggin' phenomenal. Yes. I won't be able to keep my top on.
1: I, I think we should create some sort of pledge. We should get a petition going, let's let's the Queen Session's gonna help pass this through.
2: Yeah. Oh, so it's only like just an idea now? Yes.
1: Right. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. <laughs> That's us for another week, Con. Uh, please oh. reach out to us anytime on our Facebook page, The Queen Sesh. We love hearing from and you. And thank
0: you for listening. And have a beautiful week. Bye. A show for queens by queens with no topic to taboo. The Queen Sesh with Constance Hall and Annalise.